0: Star 611 for assistance as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at
1: this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile
0: 611. You have le... Hello podcast listener, everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you and you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host. Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy.
1: Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. My name is Paul Kemp. I'm the founder of OneMob.com. I've got a great episode lined up for you today. I've just got off the Skype to... Kirby Turner. Now, he is an author. Uh, He's written um, Learning iPad Programming. It's got a a first and a second edition, and he's got a lot of recognition through that book. But he's also an app developer. Um, He's got his own company, it's been running for 10 years. It's called White Peak Software now he 's called it white Peak Software because he 's an avid snowboarder, so really, for anybody who is interested in app development, maybe just getting started or perhaps uh, doing it uh, right now you know here 's a lifestyle that can really inspire you. He goes snowboarding regularly he 's a family man, but he 's also an app developer and a snowboarder, so he manages to get this all fitted into uh, his lifestyle. so let me switch over to the um, interview right now. And I'll see you on the other side. Okay, hello. Um, welcome to the App Guy podcast. My name is Paul Kemp. Uh, I'm the founder of OneMob, and I'm just thrilled today to introduce my guest speaker. Uh, he is the author of uh, Learning iPad Programming, it's got two editions, and uh, his name is Kirby Turner. And he has um, several apps, lots of client apps, I know we can't mention, but the one app that we can talk about is um, his latest app, which is Big Screen for the iOS. Um, Kirby is a, an exclusive iOS uh, developer, and he's the owner of White Peak Software. Uh, he's also a, t- a top speaker at uh, a lot of uh, well-known conferences. So, so that's a little flavor of um, an introduction to you, Kirby, but perhaps you can give us a little bit more of a story about yourself. Uh, We want to learn about you and who you are and, um, you know, your app journey. So if you could take that away for a bit and just talk about yourself.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. And thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, So I've been a programmer, uh, I guess, professionally for almost 30 years now. I had the uh, lucky opportunity of... um, going to high school uh, at a school that was a pilot school for a computer programming class. And, and uh, so my junior year of high school, um, I took my very first programming class. Um, I had already been playing with computers and programming for a couple of years prior to that. Uh, but this was the first time I ever got any formal training. And uh, my teacher, uh, she quit teaching uh, to start her own consulting company, computer consulting company. And so my senior year of high school, um, I ended up going to work for her as employee number one. And uh, so that's really how I kind of got my start as a professional programmer. And um, over the years, I've kind of followed technology, whatever technology I felt was the best. And uh, I guess it was around 2007, I made the switch to to the Mac. And um, it was only a short time after that, maybe six, nine months after that, that the first iPhone SDK was released in beta. And uh, I immediately just saw that as an opportunity and dove headfirst into iOS programming. And that's basically where I've been now uh, since 2008 is focused on doing iPhone development. Um, I got my – I I guess I released my very first app, LaborMate, which was a – it's a stopwatch for um, uh, pregnant women uh, who are um, expecting – um, you know, they're having their contractions and such, and they they want to be able to track those contractions so they can report back to their nurse or their doctor. Um, and uh, it was a simple little app. I had just had a kid myself, and that's where I got the idea for the app. And um, that was my very first app in the App Store, and that was back in October 2008. And ever since that time, it's just I, I've been eating and breathing iOS and writing apps. And um, so much so that, as, as Paul, as you mentioned, I also um, – Got asked to write a book uh, called Learning iPad Programming, so I took some time off from app development to focus on that book. And uh, not sure if we want to get into it or not, but that that has some pros and cons in itself. And uh, that was kind of an interesting journey. And uh, yeah, I guess that's that kind of is in in the nutshell what I've been doing. That's
1: great. And uh, all the everything you mentioned in the podcast today, uh, just for the audience, is going to be linked to in the show notes afterwards. Uh, on the website one slash podcast, so you can access um, the book and especially the second edition there of um, iOS uh, Learning iPad Programming. But uh, th- before we get into a lot of that stuff, perhaps we can start off with um, what what drives you as an app developer. What what um, what one piece of uh, success or a man- maybe a, a success mantra that drives you, Kirby.
0: Well for me I, I don't know if I have a, a, a mantra with regard to coding, but I will say I mean coding is my passion. That's what I love doing. If if uh it's it's the one thing that if I think about being, you know, deserted on a on a uh, um you know, left on a deserted island, you know, I can't do anything else, what would the one thing I would miss the most? And it's coding. Um I've even had thoughts, you know, if I if I got arrested for some reason, I had to serve time in jail for, you know, ten years in jail, I would probably be the person writing code down on on paper. Um, and actually, that's <laughs> that's how I got started. I mean, I, back in the early days, back in the early '80s, I I would sit there, you know, in in class, and people are you know doodling in their notebooks and stuff, and I'm writing code with pen and paper. And um, so it's it's always been my passion to write code. That's what I love doing. And and I kind of feel like I was born at the right time, you know, to to pursue that dream. And and for me, I kind of a lot of times kind of view. Myself as being lucky. I feel like I'm I'm that guy who who wanted to be the professional athlete. You know, i i you know somebody wants to become a professional football player or basketball player. Uh, for me, I wanted to become a professional coder, and uh, I've been successful in doing that. Uh, and it was just something I've always wanted to do since the very first day I touched a computer, uh, which you know, if for anybody that's old enough to remember, was a Sinclair 1000. And, uh, my yes,
1: I can remember that.
0: <laughs> I actually still have it. Um, I still have my Sinclair 1000. And It 1000, still works. And it's, it, to the best of my knowledge, it still works. I, I don't think you, they make TVs that you can connect it to anymore. Is that the
1: one with the 1K memory?
0: Yes, it is. And I had the. That's uh, one of those. I had the uh, I have the 16K RAM pack that you could put uh, plug in the back, and um, you know it was it's always fallen out, so I used duct tape to keep the uh, 16K RAM pack. And of course, it uses um, BASIC as it its programming language, so every letter represents a basic command. So like uh, P will do the word print for you, and so yes, that's how you do that. your sh- your shortcut for your write uh, for writing code. And uh, the earliest app that I ever remember writing—I I say app—I I call everything I write these days app. The, the the earliest program I ever remember writing, uh actually the the earliest, the two earliest that I remember writing. The first was was for my dad, and it was using the sinclair and he um, was a member of a motorcycle club and um, once a month he had his friends over from the club and they would watch um, videos um, of various movies you know um, on, Indie, on on any Sunday and movies like that that were related to motorcycle riding and He wanted me to um, write a program that would display credits and club announcements and things like that in between the videos and all he would do is he had an a b switch set up to the TV. And I just wrote this scrolling text, um, you know, program that just scrolled the text across the screen um, doing announcements. And uh, he loved it, and he was very proud of it. You know, and it was something I was happy about that I I created myself. And going off that buzz, I ended up writing the second app or second program that I remember writing, uh, which was few probably a few weeks after that was for my girlfriend at the time. And I learned how to um, program sprites, and so I had heart-shaped sprites floating around the screen. Um, and I had the words, I love you, floating around the screen. And, of course, I showed this to my girlfriend, and within 24 hours of showing her this, she broke up with me. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I think I was a little too geeky for her. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, those were both on the Sinclair, and, and those those were the, the two first programs I can ever remember writing. Um, wow. <laughs> and uh, it's been an amazing journey since then because I've I've gone from doing that to – You know, I spent a number of years working on Wall Street, writing financial apps, uh, have worked in in a number of uh, large-scale enterprise apps, uh, and now I'm kind of back, in in some ways, back to my roots, uh, even with my latest app, Big Screen, kind of going back to the more simpler apps. And uh, I think, too, that's one of the reasons I like iOS is that you really kind of can get back to that, that, that love of programming. Um, by writing apps that are just a little bit more simple, even though they, they, they can be complex to code, you're really trying to provide a very simple solution to your users, and uh, I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, that's what helps fuel me um, and kind of going back to that passion. coding's my passion, but what drives that passion is just being able to do something that affects users' lives and make them happy.
1: Well, let's talk about that journey because the the, the show here is listened to by uh, app developers uh, just starting out and those that uh, perhaps a little bit more exper- experienced as well. And uh, you've got a terrific journey to share. Thirty years um, in app, uh, well, basically app development as we <laughs> talk call it now. But um, it took you a long time to get into uh, to get your first Mac, 2007. I mean, it was lucky timing because then it was that just after, just bef- before the release of. Uh, iOS uh, for the iPhone, um, but but just before we get into that, are there any um, any failures during that journey that perhaps you could share with us, and and what you learned from from those failures uh, whilst you were developing.
0: Oh, geez. Uh, I think every year I've had at least one failure. Um, there's There's been many, many failures. Uh, but, you know, I always say to my wife and, and to my son, I mean, we learn through our failures. And so without failing, we wouldn't progress. And, and it's also kind of something I've learned um, from my other passion, which is snowboarding. Um, and that is to push myself. And, you know, with snowboarding, you fall a lot. And if you don't fall, my son, who's learning to ski and, and learning to snowboard, he tries to go out every day and not fall. And I'm telling him, you're not going to learn if you don't fall. Um, so, yeah, um, wow, failures. The, the the ones that come to mind, um, I guess, are the, my more recent failures. I don't know if that's something you would like for me to talk about. Well, or I mean,
1: I, I, anything you think that would be useful we, – we, all of us, uh, as app developers, we all have tough, tough times when we release um, a, a loved app that we've spent right. a lot of time on, and we then go into the, um, the the iTunes Connect and we see that the the app has only been downloaded, you know, ten times or whatever it right. may be. Um, so we all need to, to I guess, take take in inspiration from the fact that um, uh, uh, you know, like you say, failures are learning experiences, and um, you know, anything anything you can think of that. Um, you can share with us, you know, your story.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as you were saying that they gave me the opportunity to to come up with a couple of failures uh, that that have happened in, in, I guess, in the the last few years that I'd love to share. Well, one is that, you know, part of my business is, you know, I do contract work, I do consulting, and I help clients build apps. And um, one of the things I learned early on uh, when I was doing my business is that I learned not to become too dependent on any one single client. Um, This was before the days of the App Store, but I used to build uh, web applications, mostly web service-based solutions uh, for um, small and medium-sized businesses. And um, I had decided around this time, this was around 2005, 2006, that I wanted to just spend more attention on my company building my own products, building my own apps. And um, I felt like to do this, I needed to reduce the amount of... um, Contracting consulting work that I was doing, and so I made uh, an, an arrangement with a company to say, "Hey, I'm going to work with you guys exclusively uh, for the next 12 months." And we worked out a, you know, uh, uh, had an arrangement so that I could then focus building my business more. The problem, um, as it so, um, the problem with this was that um, after about six months or so, they hit a cash flow problem, and so I had become so dependent on them. To, as like a a regular stream of revenue when they hit that cash flow problem, I immediately had a cash flow problem and um by you know basically what's what's it saying putting all my eggs in one basket um I put myself into a situation where Um, I didn't know if my company was actually going to survive. All of a sudden, money stopped coming in. Um, I had one app that I was selling on the Windows desktop, uh, but it was not making very much money. It was probably making, on a good month, about $200 a month. Obviously, not enough to live on. Um, But you know, that was a a major uh, lesson learned for me, was not to become dependent on any one customer. Um, Likewise, don't become dependent on any one app. Um, I kind of started looking at, you know, selling apps as more of a numbers game, um, and this is partly why I wrote the book uh, as well. I don't want to become so dependent on one app because you never know um, what will happen with that app. Uh, you know, you you be- could your app could become Sherlock by Apple, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you no longer have a market. And if you're so dependent on that one app or that one client for your livelihood, you know that can change in an instant. Um, and so that was. Probably one of the, the the biggest failures I had to face, and uh, it was that you know this main revenue stream dried up. It was no longer there, and like I said, because they were having a cash flow problem, they couldn't pay me. And it was nearly 12 months before I finally they did eventually pay me um, pay them pay me the money they owed me, but it took them about 12 months for that to happen. And this can happen with your app. You could have a, a successful app that's making money, and you know within a month it could go from you know, bringing in a, uh, enough money to pay the rent to not make it enough to buy a Starbucks coffee. Um, and you just never know when that's going to happen either. Um,
1: yeah, well, that's a lovely but... story. And thank you for sharing that because uh, I, that has happened to me as well. You know, I've uh, d- developed a, a high-end app for a large corporation and I decided not to pay uh, uh, after delivering the app. And so it's a risk that we all take as app developers um, is the uh, w- when working with um, third-party clients. Um, and uh, also there 's the additional risk of the app not actually making it into the app store um, <laughs> that, that is, uh, is true too, yeah, so, <laughs> you have to go so, back and make that awful call to the client to say you know it's, hey we 've got a problem here <laughs>
0: yeah exactly so so for me my you know my my solution or my lesson learned on mm-hmm. on that was that um you know again don't be dependent on any one thing uh you know for me it's kind of like investing in the stock market you want to diversify and uh for me I look at you know my company isn't just selling one flagship app. I mean, I would love it if it were, and I made enough to, to money off of that one app. That would be great. But, you know, that's just not a reality for me. And I don't know if that will ever be a reality for me. Um, so I rely on product sales. And when I say product sales, I, I mainly mean apps. But I also view the book that I wrote as another product. And that was another source of revenue. Um, along with the book, I also did a training video, a uh, companion video to the book called Learning iPad Programming. Um, and that's another product, um, and I also do, you know, the consulting side as well, and so I'm kind of diversified, and uh, even in the apps that I sell, I have a CSV editor, and I have a labor contraction timer. You know, there's no synergy between those two. Uh, you know, There shouldn't and, be anyway. <laughs> there shouldn't be um, unless you really want to track your contractions, you know, a historical view of your contractions in a CSV file. <laughs> um, you know, um, but engaged. anyway – yeah, exactly. Um but I, I like the idea that I even have diverse apps and and the reason I'm taking that approach is that, you know, if if the market starts to go down in, in in one segment, I'm I'm hoping that it means it'll go up in another segment. So
1: let's talk about the other end of the spectrum, which is success stories. And you've got some really good apps that you're talking about there. I mean how how do you get these
0: ideas? So I have um I have a text file. Ultimately, all my app ideas go into a single text file, and I have this ever-growing list of product ideas, and they come up from the strangest places, and I've been collecting these ideas for, you know, 15, 20 years plus, and, um, you know, a lot of times it's I'm out with a friend, and, um, you know, something will inspire me. Um, My most recent app – Big screen. Uh, big screen, all it does is it, it basically takes the video feed from your camera and displays it on an AirPlay uh, device. So on your Apple TV, or if you're using something on your laptop like Reflector, it'll display it on your laptop. Um, and the inspiration for that came from um, the community meeting that my son's elementary school has every Friday. So um, we're sitting there, the principal of the school's uh, doing his normal thing, and one of the kids. Uh, one of the groups of kids got up to do a presentation, and so he pulls out his iPhone, and my son's elementary school has two big screens um, uh, mounted on their gymnasium wall. And they use an Apple TV uh, so they can broadcast on those two TVs, and he was using his iPhone with the built-in camera app to show um, you know, the video of the kids doing the presentation so people in the back could see the presentation on the two big oh, screens. right, okay. And, and not only was that the inspiration of the app, but it also became the inspiration of the app name. And I'm horrible with app names. So, but, but I'm like, well, he's, he's displaying this on the big screen, and that's, hence the name. Um, but that's where that inspiration came from. So I just, every time, the silliest little idea comes to mind. I jot it down. Um, and oftentimes it's I'm jotting it down on a cocktail napkin or in a fill notes journal or something like that. But ultimately I take it, that idea, I go back to my computer, open up my text file, my ever-growing list of product ideas, um, and I start typing in notes about that product idea. Um, I'll spend a few minutes with each new idea looking to see what competitors are out there. If I can find some competitors, I'll look at, you know, um, you know, what I think of their of their apps. Are they good quality apps? or they poor quality apps? I'll make note of their current rankings. I'll make notes of the last time they did an app update, and I'll make notes of the pricing of the app as well. Um, and then when I you know reach a point that I'm ready to work on something new, I just go through this file and pick something that kind of interests me at that moment. Um,
1: well, that's so great.
0: That's, that's basically where I get the ideas from. So I'm not at a loss of ideas, and, and people are always coming to me, hey, I've got this great idea for you to, to write an app. And, and no offense to other people who want to share their app ideas with me, but if I have the available time, I have my own list of app ideas <laughs> yeah. that I'd love to pursue. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I do uh, get emails from
1: uh, app developers who perhaps are getting into uh, app development for the wrong reasons. You know, they're chasing the money. And right. they're, they're perhaps scouring the uh, app store for successful apps and then doing copycat apps. And what I'm taking away from what you just mentioned, that story you just talked about, is to get out in the real world and to actually just think as a, an end user and what would be just a great app and, and keeping a note of those things so that you can go back and then think, think about that and then and start to write them. Exactly.
0: And, and And you just you had a key point right there: start to write them. Uh, so many people say that you know they have this great idea for an app, but they never go beyond the idea um, you know they they never pursue even if you're not an app developer if you have a great idea, you can find ways to get that app developed. you could hire somebody um, and and to me it's very sad that most people you know everybody has an idea, but most people never. Bring that idea to life.
1: Uh, let's, let's go back a little bit. I'm, I was really intrigued when we started talking out. You mentioned that you've been in um, technology. You've always had a passion for technology. Yeah, you've been in it for 30 years. Um, but at two, in 2007, you made a switch to the Mac. What what inspired you to switch to the Mac? What, well, can that, you remember that, remember oh, that I time? Know, I,
0: I know exactly why <laughs> I did. Um, I was in need of a new laptop. I had a, a Dell laptop at the time. And uh, it seemed that every year I – was, I was doing Windows development at the time, and it seemed like every two years um, my Dell laptops would crap out and thought I would have to buy a new one. And uh, so I was in the market to buy what I felt was the absolute best laptop on the market. And the MacBook Pro um, had just come out, um, and it had the Intel chip. And um, – I had also at this exact same time found out that my wife was pregnant um, and thankfully I was the dad. Um, so I found out that my, my wife was pregnant and right. um, Hence the I labor needed... app the year later. Is that exa- – right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's all, it all kind of connects. It um, is. Connecting I, the dots as Steve Jobs would say. Yeah. I wanted the best laptop for managing photos and videos because I knew I was about to have a kid and I wanted the best way to, to manage photos and uh, videos. And so I bought my first MacBook Pro and um the thinking was well if I can't stand iOS you know I'll install boot camp and I'll use Windows as my daily work environment um and even at that time PC World and and some other magazines were ranking the uh, that 2007 MacBook Pro as the best um laptop for running Windows Vista. Um so you know I bought the best laptop and that it only took me about 3 weeks of using OS X um, before I decided, let me install Xcode. Um, oh, and, and VMware Fusion had just come out that summer as well, right. and so I was using Fusion to do my Windows work. And in about, it only took about three weeks of using iOS, uh, iOS, uh, using OS 10, before I finally said, "Okay, let's see what it's like to do development work." And so, three weeks as an owner, I installed Xcode and just instantly um, was hooked. And I just, everything about the COCO framework, I loved. And in a lot of ways, it kind of re- reminded me of when I first got my hands on Delphi back in 1995. Um, it's like, here's a, a really rich library and framework of um, useful code that I can quickly build apps with. And, and as someone who, I feel like I've always followed the best uh, technology. Um, you know, in the 80s, I was doing a lot of work on um many computers and uh, started doing work in, in Unix. In the 90s, I started doing more in um, the Windows world. I got involved in the Windows world in about 92. Um, towards the end of the decade, beginning of uh, 2000, I started looking at Java, but then um, a friend of mine at Microsoft introduced me to uh, um, .NET, and then, of course, Microsoft made the announcement about .NET at PDC in 2000, and I just saw that as as new and exciting technology, so I followed that. And so for me, you know, going to Mac and Coco only, you know, was a natural progression of following what I felt is the best technology. Unfortunately, it just took me a couple of years to get on board on the Mac side. Um, which is kind of ironic because in the eighties I was doing programming on the Mac two. Um, Mac two E, um, mostly Pascal programming. I'm not not I'm sorry, not Mac, but the Apple. Apple two yeah. E. Um yeah. So I actually got you know my very first paying job was programming on Apple computers. Um, it just took me 20 years to make that return and uh, so uh, but yeah it was that was that was kind of the the, the defining moment I Intel chip um, worst case scenario I could run Windows on it full time. it was the best laptop available, and uh, I was going to have a kid and I wanted the best software, best way to manage photos and videos for my uh, soon to be son and um, Wow. Okay. I I, install, I installed Xcode and the rest was history. Um, and about six months later, it's when uh, – eh, no, more more like um, nine months, maybe ten months later, the um, iOS or iPhone SDK came mm. out.
1: I mean, You um, must have been one of the first uh, to get in there then.
0: I was. Well, my son was born in March and the beta was released in March. And what, so I wasn't you, doing anything. Were any... you invited to be part of the beta? I'm not sure how I got – in on the beta I I don't even remember that was so long ago I I think it was I think it was the first public beta was in March 2008 Um, so maybe it was just you just had to sign up and pay you know sign up as a developer uh, through the developer program Um, the App Store had already been announced um, because they had announced that at the uh, beginning of the year so I think it was just open to anybody in the public Um, I, I just did it because well mainly because I had just had a son. I, had, I was taking some time off from work, and I actually had a neighbor who was a Apple fanboy, and he was all about the apps. He, he knew that this was going to be big, and he wanted to write an app. And again, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Everybody has these ideas, and he was one of those guys that, you know, I have this great business idea. I have this great app idea. Let's work together. And of course, it was the typical: you do all the work, and I'm just going to sit back and daydream, and we're going to make all the money. <laughs> I'm the and ideas guy. Yeah, that was him. He was the ideas guy. And after about two months, I decided, nope, this is not working. I'm doing everything. You're doing nothing. You know, he he wasn't even putting together marketing material, um, the website, none of that to get the app ready. And uh, so we we parted ways. Um, but yeah, that that's it was. You know, thanks. I guess you could say it was thanks to me having a kid that kind of made me yeah. buy the Mac. Uh. <clears throat>
1: well, I've got the same, almost the same story. Uh, I had um, my first Mac after my kids were born, and um, you know, it was partly because of the um, the video and the um, you know the the ability to connect your iPhone and all this sort of stuff, and and also the, the, you know having a history of Dell computers oh, just drove me insane
0: after a while, so. I think we share something in common there. Um, I I will say that, you know, um, to this day, I still feel that the MacBook Pro is the best laptop on the market. And I know people complain about the Apple price, but with Dell, I was buying a new Dell laptop every two years. Um, My first MacBook Pro lasted me five years before I bought my second MacBook Pro. And I actually have three MacBook Pros now. But, um, you know, I got five years out of that first MacBook Pro, and I've never had a laptop that was that solid and so i mean just the quality of the hardware is, is that's that's why i'm lo- um, loyal to the macbook pro right now because it's it's just such a fabulous machine
1: let's move on to uh, some quick questions then if i can sure. and sure. Um, this is really again you know as an apple uh, app developer audience here listening and uh, getting inspired from your story so um, maybe some of those people listening are Dipping their toe into app development, uh, do you do you remember? You know what was really holding you back initially from um, app development?
0: Um, Writing your were, own
1: apps. Yeah, there, there
0: were there were a number of things. I mean, back in 1997, I wrote my very first. Uh, I guess you could call it shareware app, um, and it was it was uh, called uh, Desktop Made, and what it did was it it temporarily hit all the icons on your desktop. So if you were going to do a presentation or something like that, you could, you know, hide the clutter of your desktop. And um, it was a little shareware app I wrote. I think, you know, in in the 12 months that I had it available, I made about $200 on it. And, um, but the experience wasn't a very good experience. And I kind of just viewed, um, you know, a a solo software development company as only being a hobby. And, um, you know, I, I, I daydreamed about it being a a, a career choice, um, but I just didn't think it was possible. Um, it was, I guess, fast forward up to 2003, the year that I got married. Uh, it was during my um, honeymoon with my wife that I decided I was fed up uh, being an employee for somebody else, and, and I was working for a consulting company that had me travel traveling, you know, almost 100%. And I just got tired of the travel. So I told her during my honeymoon I was going to quit my job and start my own company. Um, it took another um, year and a half uh, before I finally decided, yeah, product development, app, app development, that's really where I want to be. And and a lot of credit goes to my friend Brian Harp, who I hired uh, as kind of a, a, a small business coach. Um, you know, I know programming. I know programming very well. I – I know nothing about running a business. Um, well, I, I, do, I guess I do know something about running a business. I've been around for so long, but at the time, I knew absolutely nothing. And uh, he really helped me out and made me see, you know, what I've been wanting to do all the all along. I've I've always wanted to write my own software, um, and the trick was to try to make a career out of that. And um, for me, the way I got started was I knew um, it's uh, the way I got started on the iOS side was I knew to be able to write my own apps and be able to sell my own apps, I needed to immerse myself in into the iOS SDK Xcode. I needed to do this full-time. Um, doing it as a hobby is great, but you'll never get the depth of knowledge that you need to write a, a, you know, a successful app. Um, and I just felt like, for me, I had to do it full-time. And so I... T- told all my clients that I worked with at that time, which was mainly web work, that I was no longer doing web work and I was going to focus on iOS. Uh, because I have my own company, I kind of had that luxury of, you know, quote unquote, firing my clients so that I could focus on app development. Um, at the same time, too, though, it, it comes with its own risk, and I went quite a few months without having any income come in um, as a result of doing that. But um, you know, for me, it's just I've always wanted to sell my own apps, and I do it because You know, it it gives me a chance to live the life I want to live, and I have complete control. Um, You know, I I I enjoy client work um, because I get to work with a a great group of people and work on a variety of apps. But nothing beats working on your own app, bringing your own creation to life, um, and getting even that first sale. Big 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 screen, as I mentioned, you know, that's my latest app, and uh, it's really I kind of. Released it so I can restart my company and re-energize myself about app development, and it's got an in-app purchase for you know ninety-nine cents. And that first day, when um, Appfigures showed me that I'd gotten an, um, my seventy cents from that very first in-app purchase, I mean that to me was that was a reason to go out. That was a reason to go out and celebrate. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's my it's my creation exactly and some, exactly. It's, it's my creation, and somebody found it useful enough to give me you know. 99 cents, and and I just love that. I I remember that that app that I did back in 1997. My highest point in in that year was when that app got hacked. Somebody hacked it so that they could get around the licensing, and they were selling. You know, they were distributing um, uh, pirated versions of that app. And I just remember thinking, I've made it. Someone found my app useful enough to bypass the licensing mechanism, and that to me just Put the hugest smile on my face because somebody else found my work useful. Um, they found value in it, and that made me happy. And that's why that's why I do it today. I mean, I, I just get excited when I know that I'm making someone happy. And and I, I know I'm kind of getting on a tangent here, but let me just say one other thing. Labor mate, um, you know, it's it's got a small market. It's a niche market, and it's it's for for um, women who are about to have a baby. Um, and so most of the time and the average user will use this app for less than 24 hours but the feedback i get from this app it's amazing because these people send me comments even if they send me a bug report they send it to me after they've had a kid it's one of their happiest times in their entire life, and they send me an email. I have never gotten a single angry email from Labor Mate, and all I've gotten are these emails about, you know, thank you so much for helping us you know, bring our new child into this world and, and things like that. And even, like I said, if they're reporting a bug, it's still all of this great happy vibes, and uh, that's it motivates me every day to get up and jump back in front of that keyboard and write another app. Um, it's, it's silly funny, it's silly as the app idea I, I, might sound
1: yeah it's funny Kirby I've got the, um, an app as well that uh, is, is called uh, newborn baby sleep mm-hmm. and uh Women have had their. Maybe we could, we could bundle these two up because uh, <laughs> uh, it's really for women that have just had their babies and their their babies um, are struggling to sleep and they can play different sounds. Um, right. Uh, and and what I did is I went around the house recording sounds that made our babies. We got. I've got twin boys. Uh, what what helped them sleep? And it was the sound of the washing machine, the sound of the vacuum cleaner, continuously on. So I recorded these sounds, put them into an app, and then that's being used by um, newborn uh, or mothers of newborns, and they play that continuously to help their babies sleep. Um, but yeah, you're right. The kind of uh, goodwill emails that you get, and uh, it it does um, feel like you're doing something more than, than just for money. And uh, I just want to transition there to um, something you mentioned about, uh, I think it was when you were on your honeymoon, you you kind of made the decision to leave um, your corporate life and then (laughs) transition into um, becoming a full-time app developer for yourself and setting up your own company. Um, There are are people listening uh, to the podcast who perhaps are in a a company right now who are uh, desperate to have a change of life have a a purpose in life that's something more than a salary at the end of the end of the month Um, what would you suggest to those people because it is a hard time i've been through it you've been through it It, it, just giving up that salary uh, at the end of the day and transitioning to running your own business is very difficult what advice
0: would you give those people Uh. Save up a lot of money first. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I would say yeah. My biggest my, my biggest struggle has always been the cash flow side of things. And uh, when I started my company, I lived in Manhattan, and uh, you know it's, New York City is a very expensive place to live. And um, yeah, it was um, it was it was it was definitely challenging. Um, but the rewards outweigh those problems, and even the money problems. You know, there, there's ways around those problems. There's, there's ways to simplify your life and such. Um, you know, it's definitely not a lifestyle that, that is for everybody. Certain people want to have that comfort of knowing where their income is going to come each month. And, um, but if you're more of a risk taker, you're unhappy with where you're at and you have, you have an idea of what it is you want to do. You have an app idea, you know, take the plunge. Um, if, if you're worried about stability in, in your job and such, um, Talk to your company, talk to your employer about taking a, a short sabbatical. Um, you know, take a leave of absence for three months or six months, and during that time, um, work on your app, um, your app idea. Um, or if you accrue um, vacation, you know, um, the the company I worked for before, we had up to four weeks of vacation. We could carry two weeks over from one year to another year, with for a max of four weeks off. You know, you could take a month off and write a small little app and just see if you really have what it takes to um, and the self-discipline it takes to work for yourself and to build your own app um, you know th- those those would be kind of safer ways to do it um, I did mine out of frustration which I don't recommend quitting your job out of frustration um, but th- there's definitely ways to to work around it um, you know take the vacation time ask for a sabbatical um, ask your employer if you're not already working remotely um, ask your employer if you can work remotely because you'll find that the type of work that you do for your employer, you can oftentimes be much more productive and that will give you more free time each week to focus on your own app idea. Um, so that's, that's another option. And, and that works really well too in that you know, maybe if you're lucky, you could transition from being an employee to a consultant for your current employer um, and that could help get your business started as well.
1: Uh, and one thing we haven't mentioned is the name of your company is White Peak Software. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got that name and what it means to you to have that name
0: sure Um, so when I started my company, you know, the first thing I had to do was, um, I wanted to set it up as a corporation. Um, I'm not a sole proprietor. Um, I didn't want to do a partnership or an LLC. I actually wanted to have a real company. And, and the idea comes from the fact that I believe if you're going to be a business, you need to set up a real business structure. Um, you know, again, for me, this was not going to be a hobby. This is something real. Um, I do payroll and I do everything like a real company. In fact, I'm technically not self-employed, although I am. Um, I am an employee of White Peak Software. Um, it's just that we only have one employee. And, but the very first thing I had to do when I set up that co- uh, corporate structure was to come up with a company name. Um, and uh, I'm sitting in my Manhattan apartment and trying to come up with what I feel would be a great company name, something that I'd be very proud of and something I'd want to have for years and years and years. And uh, my other passion is snowboarding. And, um, Paul, I know you snowboard, and we've done very well not to talk about it on this yeah, I on know. this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I went out for a few runs today, in fact. Uh, but anyway, oh, I, I no, you're um, making me jealous. So... There's
1: nothing here, but I'm, I'm in the middle of Dubai, and there's nothing but sand. Have you ever tried <laughs> sandboarding? No, I've not. No, well, I've not. It's nothing like snowboarding. It's horrible. And, uh, <laughs> I can imagine.
0: When you I fall flat, you're,
1: flat on your face in the sand, it's just, uh, it's pretty uh, nasty.
0: Yuck, yuck. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm sitting in my my, my uh, apartment in Manhattan, and I'm trying to come up with what I thought was a great name. I love snowboarding. Uh, we have pictures of mountains and snowboarders and skiers in the backcountry all over our our apartment at the time. We still do. Um, um, now I live in Stowe, Vermont, a, a ski town in New England, so I can get to go snowboarding every day. Um, but I was looking around my office, and I noticed, you know, all these mountains with white peaks, and you know, th- in in a lot of ways. You know, I, I I don't like to say that my company is a lifestyle company because I think there's better ways to build you know a lifestyle. You can. My wife has a lifestyle job; she's a flight attendant, and to me, she doesn't have to worry about the business side of of her the airline company that she works for. And I think she has it a lot easier uh, than I do. So I don't refer to White Peak Software as a lifestyle company, but it does help support my lifestyle. And um, you know, I, I realized you know one of the things I wanted out of my company was the um, freedom. To do what I want when I want, set my own work schedule, work on the type of projects I want to work on, and go snowboarding. And I'm looking at all these white peaks in my office, and I know my love for snowboarding and my love for writing software, and all of a sudden the, the, the three words just kind of combined white peak software. And um, looking back on it now, I also kind of see that, you know. That name represents kind of my goal because now I do live in a ski town in Vermont and outside of my bedroom window. We keep our shades open in the morning, um, and the first thing I see when I look out um, my bedroom window is the, uh, the white peaks of Mount Mansfield, the highest uh, peak in, in Vermont. And uh, I see that snow, and you know, we've had snow on the ground now for about six weeks And uh, every morning I see that white peak, and I I started realizing, wow, that company name kind of represented that goal to get me where I am today. It's taken me 10 years, um, and there's still some struggles that I'm dealing with, cash flow being one of those. Um, But, you know, my company name is White Peak, and every morning I get up and I look at a white peak, and uh, a real white peak, and I feel like, you know, I've made it. Um, I've I've succeeded um, in what 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 I want to do with this company. What a great story. Thank you.
1: And, you. you know, there are people that possibly are listening to this podcast that are sitting on a train right now or a metro or a bus going to work and getting inspired by the fact that you're following your passion. And you also have the ability to go snowboarding during the day, even though you've got, you know, you're a family man. Um, you can still follow your dreams and uh, do some sort of adrenaline, exciting stuff <laughs> whilst, exactly. uh, whilst doing that as well. And that, that, exactly. that to me is what life is about.
0: I, I, will, I will add, I mean, it, it, it sounds glamorous, but there are some struggles with it. But the the, the trick is to, you know, moderation and compromise. You know, I, I would love to go out snowboarding every day from the, the, the first lift to the last uh, last chair. Um, that's obviously not going to happen. I have to come in and do work. Uh, but, you know, I get, to, I get to do all of my passions. I, I get to snowboard. Uh, I get to write code. And I get to spend time with my family. And I get to do that every day. Um, the summer months, I don't get to snowboard, obviously. I get to do other things. But you everything know, um, everything's in moderation. I don't get to code as much as I'd like because I want to spend time with my family. But you we know, balance it out, and so you know, I, I kind of like that balance. And, and there are days that it kind of frustrates me. It's like, oh, I'm on to something with code, and I really want to just you know, have an all-night session, coding session. Uh, but when I look back, I also enjoy that, to- that playtime I had with my son. That may have taken me out of the zone, the coding zone. I still enjoy that that playtime with my son, and so for me, that the, the trick has been, you know, to compromise everything. You know, pursue all those things that interest me, but in moderation and um, and compromise, and allow me to do more of the things that I enjoy doing. Yeah and, and the, one of the reasons why uh, I'm in Dubai
1: right now is just to spend more time with my family and we come out here as a, a unit my wife works out here my kids so I spend a lot of time with them and then you know do the work when I can and it's just it's just a great you know a, a piece of advice to anyone who wants a change in life is that you can do this you know you can do, yeah. and 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 success does not necessarily mean having enough money to buy the next new car or uh whatever material thing that you think will make you happy success to me is is um spending quality quality time with um your family and uh doing something that you really have a passion and enjoy and uh also have some purpose in life which is you're bringing um you know happiness to to others who
0: are users of our apps and uh, exactly. that that's great exactly exactly and uh you know for me when i look back on my last 10 years at, at White Peak software you know i can look at it from one point of view you know did i make a million dollars no um but was that my goal no and has my company been successful absolutely uh, because i'm where i'm at, where i want to be in my life and and i'm working on the types of apps that i want to work on and i have control and i have say and 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 like you paul i'm not you know I'm not tied down to any one location. I can work anywhere in the world um, that I want. And if we get tired of living in a ski town and my family decides we want to uproot or we want to move to a bigger mountain, we can. And uh, that to me is all the success I need. um,
1: The only thing I would suggest is moving somewhere where you get more of the white fluffy stuff. Isn't the snow pretty hard where you are?
0: Oh no, no, that's that's you know it's it's a misconception. I I mean, I've been out west and parts of North America, Western North America, where conditions were worse than out east. Uh, Oh really? um, Thanksgiving Day, you know, uh, the United States here uh, celebrated Thanksgiving this past Thursday, Mm -hmm. and we had nearly a foot of fresh powder on the mountain, and uh, it was just I mean, talk about a day to be thankful. It was so much powder.
1: Is that because of the snow they make the snow machines? I heard well, this that that's a really, a really, um, t- that's a really tough thing. That you get these, um, you fly these people in and, and pay them a lot of money to make the snow because uh, well, they, it's an art, art and talent to do that.
0: They do make snow, and uh, Stowe, the town that I live in, has invested quite a bit in their snowmaking system uh, over the last couple of years. But like Thursday, that was just Mother Nature giving us something. I mean, that wasn't. Uh, a foot of uh you know unnatural snow that was a foot of natural snow um, and uh, you know snowing here uh, when it snows here it's just as good as anywhere out west um, you know and last year I was in in culturevel in in, in the French Alps and had an amazing time uh, out there we got lucky that it snowed every single day that I was out there um, but you know there's days out there that the snow's not that great and uh yeah you know. i mean
1: i i had um 10 year. i used to own a, a chalet over in the french alps and uh, i used to go out there a lot you know spent 10 years skiing in the french alps and or snowboarding in the french alps and uh some some years the snow was um really bad but then there's some years that was just great
0: right and, uh, it's it's weather. It's weather and you just never know if you're gonna have a good season or a bad season, if you're gonna have a good day or a bad day. It's you know, and if you want something I guess a little bit more predictable, at least in North America, people tend to go further west. But there are places out west that, you know, can have horrible conditions too based on the weather. So you you really never know. Um I think it was Warren Miller and I'm probably gonna misquote this um, but he used to say something about, you know, the best snow is the snow that's uh under your feet. Um, so it really doesn't matter where you're at. Um, the best snow is the snow that you get to have access to. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been skiing the east. They, they call it the east. I've been skiing the east, or I've been riding the east now for over 10 years. And I've, I've spent a month in Whistler. Um, I've been places throughout Colorado, Utah. Um, we just decided to call this home. The mountains are a little bit uh, smaller, but the conditions are great. It's a different type of snowboarding uh, than out west. And um, I love them both, um, but I just love living in the New England area. Well, that thank you very much we're, for that we're, we're going to get I, off on another topic, aren't I, we? <laughs> I, I could talk
1: about snowboarding for ten hours i mean i I love snowboarding it's been part of my life, and you know in a, in a way it it is very relevant to what we do because I think anyone listening, you do need to have a passion outside of coding, a passion outside of developing you know that's going to sustain you, and um you know snowboarding well, is our our passion. But well, it, uh, it, it, you know, it it doesn't it gives have to be m- snowboarding. It could be anything. You know, it could be uh, exactly. anything you want. But anything that's that's something in addition to, you know, trying to t- trying to spend those uh, nights up uh, writing code or um,
0: developing apps. Well, it gives your your mind a chance to to take a break. Take a break. Um, and you were asking earlier about the app ideas. I mean, most of these app ideas don't come to me when I'm sitting in front of the keyboard. They come to me. When I'm socializing with friends or I'm doing something away from my day-to-day job. Um, and it's because my brain is finally getting, getting a chance to relax and, and take a break from you know, thinking. And uh, you know, for me, snowboarding is kind of that release. Uh, for others, it could be hiking, biking, kayaking, uh, reading, knitting, who knows. I mean, but it is good to have hobbies outside of you know, your, your main field because um, I think it gives you a chance to see things differently. Yeah, I'm not sure about knitting, but I've not not met an app developer who's good at knitting. You're astonishingly an idea for an app. <laughs> there, there is there is one gentleman I am, I'm I met him at 360iDev years ago. I, he's a game developer and he lives up in Canada. I cannot remember his name right now, but he I he's tweeted before that he enjoys knitting, <laughs>
1: so so so, there's our idea. you have two iphones in your hand they um they simulate knitting needles and you you knit um using those exactly, um, the, exactly. Those right
0: um, and, and and in our conversation too while we were digressing, you made me think of a, a podcast you know, maybe you should start a, a um, an alternative podcast you know geeks who snowboard <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's that's a great
1: idea. Um, I could still turn. I could still turn this series into. I mean, uh, oh, well, I mean, I would. I, I would bore everyone with um, snowboarding. I'm sure. Um, but I've got some. Sto- I've got some stories uh, to tell. You know, I've I had ten, ten to fifteen years of snowboarding, and I've loved every minute of it. And the thrill of going down that mountain, um, blitzing, you know, and the powder is just great, and the board yep. beneath you. Oh, Wonderful and you get some air oh, it's just great, great feeling and um, it is it's, and you it know and, and, and in a way, it's a little bit like being an app developer because there is a sense of freedom. you can do anything and you get the thrill of uh, of doing what you what you love and uh, oh, absolutely that's why I, um, so before we end, uh, you know I always ask is there, is there any other resources that you use you would recommend to any app developers listening to this?
0: Um, oh, wow. Well, I mean, I, I would say the the number one thing is get involved in the uh, the app community, whether you're an Android developer or an iOS developer. Find the community. Um, um, and if there's one local to you where you live, that's even better for face-to-face. Uh, if you're an iOS developer or a Mac developer, Cocoa Heads. Cocoa Heads are scattered throughout the world. Attend these meetings. Uh, get to know other app developers. Get to know other developers in, in your area. I mean, that, that just social bonding um, I mean that to me can make or break a career. Um, You know, you you can finally. You know, I used to put together when I lived in um, in the Boston area a happy hour called NS Happy Hour, and the idea was to just for indie developers to get together and talk shop. A lot of times, if you're working for yourself, you don't really get to have water cooler talks with other people. Uh, And it gave us a chance to once a month sit down, have a couple of beers, and just talk shop. Talk about what problems we're having uh, and uh, what successes that we've had. And just sharing those ideas with uh, your fellow developers um, is an enormous amount of help, especially if you're working by yourself. I mean, having that outlet is is great. Um, If you don't have something local, if you don't have a Cocoa Heads, Find out if there are other developers and start something yourself. Uh, You could use a website like meetup.com or something like that to kind of advertise your gathering. Uh, And if you don't have – like where I live and and we have a population of 4,000 people, and I think I'm the only iOS Mac developer in the area, um, at least within a uh, 10-mile radius – um, if you don't have something that you can start locally, start attending uh, conferences. There's a lot of great conferences throughout the world. Um, you know, NS conferences coming up in the UK in March. Um, there's a uh, 360 iDev will be in spring of next year. Um, Objective Cologne is going to be in Germany next, um, I think, September. Uh, but there's conferences all over the place. And I, I will credit going to conferences as, as being a, a big turning point in my iOS career because I have got to meet other individuals. Who were in the same situation I was in, but not only that, I got to meet some other developers and other small companies who were looking to hire contractors. So if you're just getting started, these are great avenues for possibly finding gigs. You know, you're not necessarily going to get a gig attending a conference or or um, going to a Cocoa Heads, but you never know. Um, I've I've actually worked with two separate programmers from our local Cocoa Heads in Boston, and you know, if I would never attended that meeting, not only would I've never met these other great developers. Um, but um, I would never have had that opportunity to work with them on their apps. So
1: right. That, that's the the net, networking is very important to um, yeah. an app developer's success. That's what I'm taking away from from this. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll post some of those uh, references that you made to um, to the page uh, onemob.com podcast. Um, and before I say goodbye then, Kirby, is there anything that you feel that you've missed that you would like to part you know, any wisdom that you would like to share with the listeners that um, you feel that we've missed?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, throughout all of this, I, there's little things that I that I thought, oh, I could really talk on this a lot more, but I know we, you know, we don't have 24 hours to do a podcast. <laughs> uh, but I, I would say the the one thing that keeps coming back to my mind, uh, and it, it goes back to uh, a show I saw back in in St. Louis back in. Oh geez, 97, 98. Uh, Lori Anderson, who's a um, performance artist, uh, musician, and so on, um, she did a private little show. She was getting ready to do a, a world tour, um, and so she did this little private um, showing of some of her material in a room of about a hundred people. And at the end, she did a Q and A, uh, and one of the audience members asked her, you know, well, how did you get to where you're at? You know, what what can I do, to to um, have success in being a uh, performing artist, and her answer was very simple: just do it. Do something. Get started. And so my advice is: if you want to write, if you want to be an app developer, start writing apps. Don't just talk about it. Just do it. Uh, even if it's a part-time uh, thing for you, even if it's a hobby, just start doing it. Um, so many people just wait for uh, an opportunity to be handed to them. Make that opportunity. Just start doing it. And uh, so that, that's my advice. If you, if there's something you want to do, just start doing it. That's great advice. And, you know, from someone who
1: uh, got into app development fairly late for me, uh, I've, you know, got a portfolio now of, uh, well, I had about 80 apps and I think some of those were rejected, but at least 50 apps in the app stores. And um, I've just, you know, kind of Blitzed it and uh, loved every minute. So um, just doing it is much better than talking about it. And I totally agree with you there. Oh, it well, is. Um, and is it, how, do we, how does anyone listening to this get in touch with you, Kirby? How do we learn about you and
0: sure. connect, connect um, with you? Um, email. I'm available via email. That's uh, kirby at whitepeaksoftware.com which is rather lengthy, but that is the name of the company. Um, I'm also on Twitter and app.net as uh, Kirby T, K-I-R-B-Y-T. Uh, that's my, you know, last name's Turner. That's where the T comes from. Um, if you Google search Kirby Turner, you know, you'll find me all over. I think I'm pretty much cover the first 10 hits on Google. Um, but, you know, Kirby T on app.net, on Twitter, um, Kirby at White Peak Software for email.
1: And there's also a blog that you've just written as well that, that talks about the 10 years of uh, yeah. Wide Peak Software that I'd recommend anyone reading uh, if, if they wanted to learn about you. Well, I've, I mean, it's an hour. Uh, I only intended to take half an hour. I've thoroughly enjoyed this uh, discussion and uh, well, I would love to have you know, another chance to, to catch up with you again. It's just been, absolutely. It's just been great.
0: Sorry, sorry, I chatted you off. That that is one of the side effects of working alone. Once you get an opportunity to talk to a a, 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 a peer like yourself, uh, it's kind of hard to shut up. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. My wife doesn't want to hear me talk about computer stuff anymore. She's tired of hearing it. So, <laughs> but no, well, thank you very much for having me on the show. And yeah, absolutely, I'd love to come back and do another. You yeah. know. I
1: would love you to do because I've, I've got about you know, another handful of questions that I was writing down and I never got a chance to ask you, so I uh, certainly will save that for another time, and uh, it just leaves me to say thank you very much, Kirby. You're an inspiration to me and I'm sure an inspiration to uh, anyone listening to this podcast. So I appreciate your time. Uh, genuinely a great app developer and a terrific snowboarder and family man as well, an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you very and, much, Paul. Uh, goodbye for now.. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com. That's info at onemob.com. Please dial star 611 for assistance as your cellular phone is
0: not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, substance, veuillez composer étoile 611